Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everybody. Welcome to the Tim Burns Show. I'm your host, Tim Burns, the common man with common sense and an uncommon desire to know the truth. Well, the, uh, the website, by the way, is timburnsshow.com. Use it as a handy reference. We're actually going to use it today on a couple of links to make a point about some conventional wisdom regarding, well, when we get to it, we'll get to it. Now, I'm going to make a quick little mention right out of the gate about I'm a huge sports fan. Obviously, I'm a Denver Broncos fan. And I'm not going to nitpick on what's going on in preseason. But the one thought I had regarding the Broncos, because we have a defense that actually could be as good, if not better, than the Orange Crush back in the good old, good old days. And, of course, you've been hearing about who. what's the weakest link on both sides of the ball right now? It's Manning. I think that'll get straightened out once we get into the regular season. But I did have one thought. We know we've been having a tough time running the ball. What I want to be able to do this year as a Bronco fan is watch the Denver Broncos run the ball on third and one, fourth and one, first and goal, two-point conversion. I want to see them run the ball when they know, when the defense knows we're going to run the ball. That would be a huge, that would be 40 years worth of stuff. 40 years worth of we've not been able to do that for a long, well, TD, we could give the ball to him on third and one and fourth and one and usually have no problem. So anyway, that's just a little food for thought. Again, I would love to be able to run the ball when the defense knows it's coming at them. That would be a big plus for us. Okay, enough sports talk. Again, I'm a huge sports fan. All right, what do we got? Well, it's Monday. We're going to have a lot of sound here today. And uh, one of the sound, it's it's Bernie Sanders. And the other is uh, Scott Walker on Meet the Press. Pretty good stuff. And also there was, uh, you know, on this Meet the Press, there's this Steve Schmidt guy. And I think he was part of the McCain campaign. And now he's been on MSC as a fixture. And the guy is supposed to be the Republican giving us insight into Republican strategies. Boy, you want to talk about deep on the inside and such a slow talker. Took him forever. It looked like, it actually looked like Chuck Todd wanted to interrupt him after the first question he asked him. He just went on and on and really said a lot of nothing. So I want to get to the Bernie tape because Bernie Sanders is representative of the liberal philosophy and it's very interesting, his nuanced answers. And you'll hear it when we get to it. What else do we want to do here? 
let's see. Looking through what we've got. Well, I've got some just some random thoughts I put down before the Sunday shows happened regarding the Katrina anniversary was here, wasn't it? And we've had two storms that the Weather Channel was really excited that we finally could have our first hurricane in 10 years. Now, I did a little homework. In fact, the deadhead media at the local level, I have no idea if this was a talking point that came out from corporate headquarters in New York City, but it was very surprising to hear them talk. Now, I've said we haven't had a major hurricane in 10 years since Katrina. There hasn't been a major hurricane. Hurricanes are categorized into five categories. From 75, that is the first measurement, the wind speed at 75 miles an hour that gets you to category one, which is up to 95, up to 115. From 95 to 115 is category two. Anything over that is a category three, four, and five that's considered a major hurricane. We have actually had 10 hurricanes hit. Category one, most of them, and a few category twos that have hit. But we have not had a, quote, major hurricane. I was very pleasantly surprised that our deadhead media on a local level actually covered that fact. It was good insight, and that helps to clarify the one piece of puzzle. We've, we've just given it a little more detail to give you an understanding. As far as the whole anniversary of Katrina, our, our weather channels and, of course, the deadheads love the tragedy aspect. Tragedy TV is always what they're looking for. It's what they focus on. If they can find, that's why video works so well for them. That's why talk radio works so well because there's only one sense the sense of hearing your sense of vision eyesight doesn't apply to talk radio which means you have you're not having to go between the two different senses and absorb both your hearing and seeing with talk radio it's all about the words if the words don't come across as understandable then talk radio doesn't work it's why liberal talk radio never worked First and foremost, they were a lot of gobbledygook. And then again, it just was all about this emotional argument, very thin as it may be, and a re repetition of it over and over again, which is exactly what the deadhead media do in this day and age. They repeat something over and over, and that will come into play when I talk about a couple of other things. But let's look at Katrina, 10-year anniversary. They were so focused on it hitting New Orleans. They didn't even bother with anything outside of New Orleans. They certainly didn't bother with the Mississippi coast. It was all about New Orleans. So let's look at a couple of things. Because the difference between the state of Louisiana and the state of Mississippi in preparedness was such a stark contrast, and yet there was no education about that. This is the difference between how local levels, county and state levels prepare for a potential disaster. Don't you remember? Do you remember Ray Nagin? Do you remember he's the mayor? He was the mayor of New Orleans at the time Katrina hit. Do you remember those photographs of a thousand school buses under six feet of water? And guess what those school buses didn't do? I can understand 
the attitude, hey, we've been through plenty of storms. This isn't going to be as big as they think. It's really not going to be a disaster as such. And so people take it for granted. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to sit this one out because I just don't think it's as bad. That became the responsibility of Ray Nagan, the mayor of New Orleans, to say, I'm not taking a chance with this. You are mandated to get out of town, and I'm going to send a school bus to go retrieve you and take you where you need to go, which is, for lack of a better word, to higher ground. That didn't happen. There's a movie. And a character in that movie says, it took FEMA five days to get a bottle of water trying to make the play about how inept the federal government is. Remember, the governor of Louisiana, Catherine Blanco, I believe her name was, story went that she didn't want help from the federal government. The reason it took five days to get a bottle of water to Katrina victims is because the blockade was put and Bush didn't super... She is the, the governor of Louisiana... And he respected states' issues. The combination of the lack of preparedness by Ray Nagan and the lack of getting prepared by the state of Louisiana through the governor's office caused that disaster. Let's paint that. In, and we know, hey, we've seen all the specials of it. We know all the people that were killed. We saw all of the vision all of the pictures from the Superdome, all those people and all the stories that were coming out and people dying left and right. Would the problem have been solved if Ray Nagan had mandated nobody is stays in town, period? I don't care. All, all of everything has to be evacuated. Combine that with the Bush administration was not allowed to come into the state of Louisiana. Catherine Blanco had some commie, uh, the, the comitas, uh, posse comitas, where the federal military cannot get involved within the confines and the boundaries of the United States. And she took that attitude that that would be the federal government coming and taking over the state of Louisiana. That was her attitude. Besides, she could do it herself. She knew what was going on, right? She probably had the same attitude Ray Nagan had. And all the people who stayed behind had is, eh. Yeah, they keep talking like this is a huge one, but we've been through these before, and let's not worry about it until it happened. The biggest ineptness of the Weather Channel and the Deadhead Media was the reporting of the tidal surge. I never saw the Weather Channel. They were so focused on the eye of the storm hitting New Orleans that they didn't even bother to talk about the surge of water in front of that storm with the way the swirl of the hurricane is, the water gets pushed up. There was a 15-foot to 20 to 30-foot surge of water that I knew from my minimal view and understanding of weather and of hurricanes. I knew that the Gulf Coast of Mississippi was going to be a giant, for lack of a better word, a giant tsunami. Not coming in in one wave, but a just a rise in the water that was going to wipe. And we saw the pictures from Gulfport, Biloxi, even over uh, into the Alabama coastline. I drove that that 
that uh, viaduct over the ocean highway that goes on the the southern uh, uh, the southern uh, on the Gulf Coast there, and it was completely destroyed. The golf course that I played on down there in Gulfport, Mississippi, completely destroyed. Really cool Donald Ross golf course for you golfers out there, <laughs> built in like 1903 or something. So anyway, I'm waiting for the reports that it's going to be really bad in Mississippi. None of that came. You know who was prepared? The point I'm making is look at the stark contrast in difference between one state and how they viewed it and another state in how they viewed it. It was no big deal. There's no need for evacuations in the state of Louisiana. In fact, federal government, we don't even need your help. Stay out. But you look at the state of Mississippi, and I believe Haley Barber was the governor then. Those mandatory evacuations, because they've been through this before. And if you looked, they were taken down to concrete. Every house in certain areas was taken down to concrete. There was a couple of stories of people who ended up up on their third floor or in their attic, as this, hoping that their house would not go by the wayside, would not fall into the water. And that flood water re didn't recede for quite a while. That's the difference. And my point is, is this is how natural disasters, the first point of attack is always by the local level, then the county, then the state. It's all, it's not, it does not revolve around a federal government being the end all to everything. Yet that's the way it was painted for Katrina. The federal government failed us. Well, no. The federal government is that, is that backup that comes in after the local area has prepared for that. You want to see the stark difference in the amount of deaths in Mississippi and the amount of deaths in Louisiana? All you have to do is look at city, local, county, state preparedness. There didn't need to be. Now, it's easy in hindsight and retrospect to say, well, we could have saved thousands of lives if we had just taken it seriously. You think the next time it comes around, they'll take it seriously? Let's hope so. Depends on who's running the show down in Louisiana. Mississippi, Alabama, Florida. They've been through it time and the time again, and they know how to take care of it. They know how to prepare for it, and it is mandatory that you evacuate. That evacuation didn't take place in the state of Louisiana. That's why the big problem. I guess we can almost be thankful there hasn't been something major down there off the Louisiana coming into New Orleans and Louisiana. Would, will they learn their lesson? We'll see when it comes next time. All right. So anyway, I just wanted that was just something that came about as I was watching some of these celebrations. Um, we've also got... Uh, Let's see, the Iranian deal. Uh, I've got a little analogy regarding the Iran deal that we'll get to also. Now, let's, uh, let's go ahead and start a quick little batch of Bernie Sanders here. And this is, let's see if I get the right one here. There's going to be, we'll come back from the break, and we'll get uh, a good, long soundbite from Bernie Sanders and his uh, go-between with, uh, I think with Martha, that's right, 
David Muir of ABC, the nightly news, he went on vacation. So they had to call George Step Up to the Plate Stephanopoulos to do the nightly news. And I knew, <laughs> oh, that must have been really hard for him to do, to get up and do a half an hour's worth of news. So I knew he wasn't going to be there for Sunday. He had to take a vacation day because of all the hard work during the week. So Martha Raddatz was the one. So here we have just a quick little snippet. Our thanks to John. Let's go straight to Senator Bernie Sanders. Senator, good morning. You saw those new poll numbers. Is Hillary Clinton's campaign in trouble? I don't know if her campaign is in trouble, but our campaign is doing great. You know, what a really dumb first question. Is Hillary's campaign in trouble? You know what my answer would have been if I was Bernie Sanders? It would have been blipped out all over the place. But it would have been, who cares, Martha, about the Hillary campaign? All right. Uh, We'll come right back on the Tim Burns Show here on 810 KLVZ. Stick around. Tim Burns for Nominal Exhibit Services. The convention business is big business. Why? Because big business is done at these conventions. 20%, 40 half the business for the entire year can be done at these conventions. If it's time for your company to step up and you just don't know where to start, I encourage you to call Nominal Exhibit Services. Not one company does it all, but one company takes care of all the logistics, and that's Nominal Exhibit Services. Call them at 303-901-9090. Hey, John, what's up? Hey, Dave. Remember Hank's story about the key to a woman's heart is an unexpected gift at an unexpected time? Yeah, you were right. JT Jewelry does have some really cool stuff. So I did what Hank did. Got Amy two pieces of jewelry, and she loved them. And that special touch of going together to the jewelry store to get her pendant just the way she wanted it worked like a charm. Next time you see Hank, tell him thanks. I will, but let me tell you another story. I saw Bill, and he looked like a truck had run him over. I asked him what was wrong, and he said he went to a bunch of other jewelry stores looking to get a gift for Jean. And they had all the same stuff, and it was nothing but bling by all the same designers. He stepped up to the pump, spent a pretty good penny, and gave it to her, and she loved it. So he was a hero. Yep, but only until they went to a wedding reception a few days later. As people were introducing themselves, a lady came up, and they both noticed they were wearing the exact same pendant. Yowch! Yep, he's been in the doghouse ever since. I'm gonna guess you told him about jt-jewelry.com. Yes, I did. Welcome back to the Tim Burns Show. A couple of quick thoughts here. My wife actually informed me about this. She said she saw a segment, I believe, on NBC Weekend News regarding the Hungarian border crisis and the fence that they are building on the Hungarian border. And, of course, all we hear about that, it's impossible to build a fence. Now, this fence is is not high-tech in any way. It's just... A really solid barrier with razor-cut barbed wire rolls going on it, metal fence. You can see through it. And as the one, I, I saw a video 
from the actual news report that I Googled up. And the one thing they were saying, the locals were saying, is that, hey, before this fence, you know what they were doing? If you were on the border, it was shoot on sight. People were just being shot and killed. So this is a much more friendlier, much more, well, life-conducive solution. And then let's translate that to what we can do in America about building a border barrier, no matter how you want to build it, whether it's wood, whether it's metal, whether it's barbed wire, it can be done. It can be secured. We're going to get to a little Scott Walker tape. He's actually, he was really sharp on Meet the Press. In fact, I got the impression from Chuck Todd that the entire line of questions was in order to entrap, to confuse Scott Walker. And he just knows what he's talking about. He's really solid on what. Now, this brings up, I mentioned Steve Schmidt, this <laughs> He's an MBC. He, he's now on MSNBC as the uh, token Republican strategist, and he just is. He says a lot of words without really saying anything. The one thing that the panel plus him mentioned is that they're making this comparison. Look in 2012 or 2008, 2012, whatever the election, who was leading the poll early on, and they keep talking about. Herman Cain. Now, I don't remember Herman Cain leading for as long and to keep building the momentum like Donald Trump. So regarding the flash of Herman Cain leading the polls back then, it's no comparison, but this is what the deadhead media does. They want to take an apple and an orange and call them the same. So the other thing is, is that a new poll came out was it in Iowa? One of the newspapers in Iowa, I believe, 23% to 23% Trump and Ben Carson and 10% Carly Fiorina. Now that's 23, 23, and 10. Simple math says 56% are looking at somebody who doesn't have a history of being a professional politician. I actually heard on some of these Sunday shows that point being made, and I actually raised my eyebrows and shrugged my shoulders and said, wow, that's interesting that they're actually making that point. All right, so let's get to, uh, let's do this Bernie Sanders, and, you know, the, well, I've got a couple of questions I wrote down that should have been asked by Martha Raddatz that she didn't ask. So this is about four minutes of tape. I'm going to probably stop it and throw my two cents worth from the nickel seats out occasionally. And here we go, Bernie and his wonderful, wonderful world political philosophy through the diehard liberal train of thought that he is. That's who he is. I'm on that. Uh, you are looking at a, a senator and a former congressman. And as a congressman, I voted against the war in Iraq, which I think will go down in history as one of the worst foreign uh, foreign policy blunders uh, that we have ever seen, leading to the enormous destabilization uh, of that region right now. All right, that has to be stopped. Why? Because that's the way they want to look at it. That's the what they've been calling for. That's what they said this was all about. The worst. Are you telling me, Bernie, that the war in Iraq, which we were winning, 
which we were bringing three factions together that are now in their own world. The exact three-faction plan Joe Biden wanted from the beginning. Hey, let's just split the country up. Again, they had elections under the threat of al-Qaeda, killing them at polling stations. 17 million Purple Thumbs elected. A third of the women in this brand-new, primitive constitutional republic, this we-the-people institution as primitive as it was bringing people together. Is it instantly, in the switch of a light, in the snap of a finger, going to be perfect? Of course not. Was it perfect for us in our beginnings? Look at it where we are now. But the bottom line is, is progress was taking place. Yes, you had a Shia. I'll tell you what. You had the Shia majority, the Sunni minority, and the Kurds being ignored, but they were slowly but surely bringing things together. Yes, the Shi'i leader was catering to his people. But still, what I really would have liked to see had we not walked away from this, had we not abandoned Iraq, is the slow but sure, pro- maybe a leader from the Shiites themselves would have said, this country needs to come together. We need to be a we the people of Iraq. You need to set your faction beliefs aside. You need to set your animosity and your angst aside. And we need to make progress. And progress was being made. So much to the point that there was peace. Yeah, there was political strife. Well, that's natural. But from, a, from the idea of all the terrorist attacks that were, happening it was a relatively peaceful landscape until the moment that barack obama had to well he had to do what he promised in his campaign and that was to abandon the cause and then he said they were going to send them all to afghanistan and they did and guess what happened there a brand new rules of engagement you almost had to knock on the door and present a warrant to go after terrorists how looney tune is that? Did you see the amount of, of U.S. soldiers, U.S. personnel that were being killed since that new mandate in this particular administration was being implemented? They were talking about it. We have to knock on doors to go after terrorists where we know they're there? That makes no sense at all. Like they were going to end up in some court case? Terrorists suing the U.S. military for not knocking on the door and presenting a warrant? Barack Obama doesn't understand where, well, for lack of a better word, peace through strength. And that's what was happening in Iraq until we abandoned. So for Bernie Sanders here to say we have, that the Iraq war was the cause, he's making the transition that going to Iraq caused the entire ISIS upheaval and the power that's going on. I've got a clip that's coming from Meet the Press. So let's get back to him. Uh, But the issue of foreign policy, how we bring the world together, our allies together, uh, not do it alone, uh, to take on ISIS, uh, to deal with the other threats and problems around the world. Senator Sanders, you brought brought up the Iraq War. You, You also voted against the first Gulf War in 1991 when Saddam Hussein had invaded Kuwait. 
You did not support air, ta air attacks after chemi chemical attacks in Syria. You did support the initial invasion into Afghanistan. So can you tell me what your criteria is for the use of force? I'll save you the agony here. He never says what the criteria is. And Martha didn't follow it up and say, what would you have done in Afghanistan? Why did you support Afghanistan? Never asked him that. Never followed up. Yes, good question. Fair question. Look. Now, I will say, Bernie Sanders is a diehard lefty liberal, no doubt about it. But he's very thoughtful. He doesn't fly off the handle well, like, like Hillary Clinton, like Barack Obama. He's actually pretty thoughtful. He is pretty... Uh, he is... He is very comfortable in the skin of his beliefs. Let's put it that way. Uh, I think historically... And I'll give him credit for that. I'll give him credit that he believes what he believes. His beliefs are way off, but it is what it is. In too many instances, uh, the United States has gone to war often unilaterally uh, when we should not have unilaterally oh you mean like putting the entire coalition and for the original gulf war because they invaded kuwait put that all together had everybody on board that is the coalition and what did we do we went in there and in four days we took care of things we didn't have because of the coalition agreement we made because you've heard this before well, we were right there. Why didn't we take Saddam out? That's the promise we made to the coalition of the Arab coalition that was on board with the original 91 Gulf War. Uh, I think my vote against the first uh, war in the Gulf region. The oh, Honda Odyssey is packed Now with we've got a nice interruption here, and we can actually skip the ad, which we did. We're back to it. Volume up on that. A war in the Gulf region was the right vote. I, I think knew we that could have gotten coming, Saddam Hussein out of Kuwait in a way that did not require a war. Uh, and I think certainly my vote Even against the war in Iraq will go down. Even though he's he had invaded Kuwait. I know, but the point was you had the whole world united against them, Martha. Do we need to go to war? You see this? Here, we, we did have that coalition. The coalition said, let's go get him. Let's use military action. Bernie Sanders seems to think that just having this coalition and sitting down in committees all across the world and coming up with sanctions. Remember Saddam Hussein made $21 billion under a UN oil for food program. He was selling stuff, selling oil. You think Bernie Sanders style sanctions would work? Of course not. All right, we'll come right back on the Tim Burns Show. Stick around. There are many sounds in your daily life. Ones that make you smile. <laughs> ones that help you relax. And there are some sounds that can help save lives. Wireless emergency alerts. Now on many mobile devices, use a unique sound and vibration to bring you critical information about emergencies in your area. With updates from local sources you know and trust, you can be in the know wherever you are. Learn more at ready.gov alerts. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. There is a place where a total stranger will give you their blood. A place where someone you never knew will save your child from drowning. Where a person who doesn't look like you, talk like you, or dress like you will give you shelter after a flood. 
That place is called America, where we look out for each other. When you help the American Red Cross, you help America. Please call 1-800-HELP-NOW or visit redcross.org. Tim Burns for DoggyDogWorldRescue.com. I want to tell you about some really good people. What started as one phone call from northern New Mexico in 2007 has turned into rescuing 500 and giving good homes to 500 animals a year. You know, they need your help. They need your donations. They do it all out of the goodness of their heart, out of their own pockets. I encourage you to give them a generous donation if you give to dog rescue operations. Go to DoggyDogWorldRescue.com and give generously. Tim Burns show. We're going to get right back into Bernie Sanders, but I want you to think about another question that was not asked. The first one was, why did you support an Afghanistan invasion? What were the parameters that would cause you? And she asked this later on. You'll hear her say, well, is it only when we're attacked? That's the only time you act? Look, the bottom line with Bernie Sanders, in his world and as president of the United States, in eight years, if by chance, he would never use military force, period. The only reason he said he would go, he supported going into Afghanistan is because post 9-11, taking out those caves in Tora Bora, everybody was on board with that. All right, back to the tape. In every instance, or can we bring pressure of sanctions and international pressure to resolve these conflicts? Look, I am supporting... President Obama's effort to make certain that Iran does not get a nuclear weapon. But I get very nervous about my Republican friends who keep implying that the only way we could do that is through another war. War is the last resort, not the first. War in Bernie Sanders' world is no resort. He may be saying this is the last resort. It's no resort under his, under his guidance as president of the United States. We would never, and they would know that. Adversaries across the world would know who Bernie Sanders is. I know who he is. Maybe Bernie doesn't know who he is. Certainly the deadhead media will just accept anything that Bernie is saying. Resort. So you are looking at a guy. Yeah, there are times when you have to use force. No question about it. And, and is that only resort. when we're attacked? My- is that only when we're attacked? Because if you look at your record, you supported the invasion into Afghanistan after we were attacked. Is that the only time you would support it? No, not at all. Not at all. You know, I think using our military is an option, obviously, that we will always have uh, under certain circumstances. You can hear it in the hesitation. He'd never use it. It may be an option. It'll never be used with Bernie Sanders. But it is the last option. And I applaud the president for trying to make certain that we stop. He did the either or, too. Hey, we either do this deal or... We go to war, and that's what Republicans want. Iran from getting a nuclear weapon, but we do it in a way that does not require war. The second point that I would make is the United States cannot do it alone. In the Middle East, Saudi Arabia has the third largest military budget in the entire world. They're going to have to get in and take on ISIS, as well as other countries in that region. The United States should be supportive. We should be working with other countries. But the United States cannot always be the only country involved. That's not true. 
what, what the world needs is a leader. And that's who we would be is the leader, not as the backup. We need to be the leader of this coalition, not having everybody else get their own their own strategy together. I mean, talk about a mishmash of approach to the terror. Even looking at what what's happening with ISIS. What would you do about ISIS, Bernie? Well, guess what? That question was never asked by Martha in these wars. Let, let me go back to the Iran agreement that you brought. And maybe she knew. Maybe she knew he didn't have an answer, didn't want to embarrass him. I, I, I was looking forward to an answer. In your support of that agreement, can you imagine Iran or Russia signing some sort of agreement in the future, given your record on your reluctance to use force? Because there is always that. Now, there's a good question, but this even brings up something else. What's going to stop Iran from doing business with Russia, weapon business, and with China? What's going to stop? Look what Saddam did with the unbelievable overbearing sanctions that were put on him. He created a way around it. And do you think Russia, who needs the money from Iran, especially if they're going to get 100 to $150 billion, Russia knows some of that money's coming right to, and Putin knows he's going to probably get a 30, 40, 50% cut off that. That pads Putin. They say Putin might be one of the 10 wealthiest guys in the world right now. They just don't know how to count what he's worth. Threat of force. But they may look at you and say, Bernie Sanders wouldn't do anything about this. And they're right. Well, I think they would be making a... Oh, listen to this. This is the deep threat from... Well, this is how liberals... It's all words and no action. But he really does a good job, doesn't he, here? Very, very big mistake. I believe... Ooh, I can hear him shake. I can hear the boots shaking all the way in Iran, all the way to Russia, all the way to China right now. They are really worried about Bernie Sanders. Well, they're going to have to figure, find out the hard way when Bernie, Bernie's weekend of new, well, of new... Ronald Reaganism? Would that cause Bernie Sanders to become a Ronald Reagan? Don't kid yourself. That the United States... But it sure sounded good, didn't it? Oh, Bernie, he had that extra emphasis and that extra feeling about how... Oh, better not mess with me. I'm Bernie Sanders. Should have the strongest military in the world. We should be working with other countries in coalition. And when people threaten the United States or threaten our allies or commit genocide, the United States with other countries should be prepared to act militarily. But I think when we look at our recent history, again, especially the war in Iraq, uh, I think history will record that is a terrible mistake, which has led to massive destabilization and many other problems. So. Yes, there are times when you have to use military force. No question about it. I am prepared to do that. Yeah, sure you are, dude. Don't kid us because you're kidding yourself. And again, the whole idea that Iraq is the worst military insurgency we had, the worst U.S. war in the history 
just you got to act when you need to act and again i will just without getting in depth on this saddam hussein the mandate from george w bush was if you sponsor terrorism if you commit terrorism and if you uh support terrorism saddam was number one in all of those categories and he ruled his own state. He was the number one state-sponsored terrorist. He paid Palestinian families for suicide bombings in Israel. He supported terrorism. Well, let's go to the committing terrorism. He did it on his own people. 5,000 people killed by chemical weapons. And he supported terrorism. Ansar al-Islam. The embryonic seed of, of ISIS was right in Iraq, northern Iraq, border of Turkey, border of Iran, it was there under his nose, the new Disneyland of terrorism. Once the Tora Bora caves were blown up and that headquarters of Al-Qaeda, well, all those bad boys ended up in northern Iraq. Ansar al-Islam. If you want to do a little homework, Ansar al-Islam, Google it. 2001, they were there. They just killed one of the two founders was killed. And that's where they all ended up. The U.S. military knew it. And two weeks into the invasion of Iraq, they took out that entire complex, including chemical weapons production facilities and trench after trench of weaponry. All right. Which one are we going to do now? So there's our Bernie Sanders. And she tried to get a little tough with him. But again, what would you do about ISIS, Bernie? What would be your strategy? I can just hear it now. Well, we, we've, got to, uh, we've got to have a bunch of committees and meetings all across the world to talk about it, to see if we can find any good ideas. And, uh, and then we'll come up with some strategy we can implement. But, of course, military is a last resort. All right, let's... Go ahead and do this one. This is a report by Richard Engel. He's been over there in the Middle East for a long time, coming up with some sometimes good stuff, sometimes not so good. And at least 150 drowning off the coast of Libya. Here in Washington, there's a growing realization that the current strategy to defeat ISIS is simply not working. Here's our chief foreign correspondent, Richard Engel, with more. The only part of the U.S. strategy against ISIS that's on target so far is the U.S. airstrikes. Last September, the administration announced the start of a war on ISIS. To degrade and ultimately destroy the terrorist group known as ISIL. Then, about two weeks ago, Washington got what sounded like some long-awaited good news. The U.S. has been bombing ISIS for nearly a year and finally got access to bases here in southern Turkey, bringing jets and drones far closer to their targets. A huge tactical gain. But ISIS? doesn't seem to be shrinking. In fact... You know, I want to say something regarding that. It took all this time to get approval to get on Turkish lands. Guess what? If we didn't abandon Iraq, we would have all that right there even closer to the fight because we'd have a huge military, U.S. military base right in the middle, twofold. It represents a threat to any of those terrorists who choose to try and test us. On top of that, it gives us that launching pad. It gives us that, and add to that, the I got your back factor. 
as I framed it before, you, if you know somebody's got your back, you show much so sh- you show so much more courage than you would when you know you don't have any backup. That was the biggest mistake. It took us a year to get over to have access through Turkey through through Turkey to get this done. And it's a year into it. We finally got that. Well, look what has happened as the, well, you'll hear Richard Engel say it. To quote one U.S. official, ISIS's international branches are growing like crazy. ISIS has spread rapidly across North and West Africa, Arabia, Afghanistan, even into the Far East. ISIS has expanded far more quickly and extensively than Al-Qaeda ever did. What's happening mostly is the brand of ISIS is as powerful as the brand of Osama bin Laden. The ISIS battle is not going to be a quick battle. It takes years. And even at home in ISIS strongholds in Iraq and Syria, the group continues to operate openly, ruling by fear. Abu Muthenna was a mid-level ISIS commander who ran a village near Raqqa in Syria like a mayor. I was responsible for everything, he says, the security of the town, its food, water, electricity, the fighters. I was the chairman of the police station. But Abu Muthenna eventually became disillusioned. ISIS, he says, is corrupt and kills too many Muslims. I started doubting the Islamic State when they began to fight with other Islamic groups, he says. So why isn't the U.S. strategy working? It's based on three pillars and they're all shaky. Retraining the Iraqi army. All right, let's stop that right there. Retraining the Iraqi army. What was the point I just made? If we have 25, 30, 40,000 troops in the largest U.S. Mideast military base, there's no retraining. The training never would have stopped. How much more prepared would the Iraqi army be and how much more courage would they show had we not abandoned, had we not pulled whatever the amount of troops was down to zip, zero, zero. We pulled them all out. You want to talk about a show of confidence in Iraq? That's not the way you show confidence, that you are there to have their back. Again, David Petraeus, he proved out the formula for peace, for world peace. Establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare. Like the game of baseball, the scoring of a run is a run in baseball. In the diamond of freedom, in the game of freedom, you do all four of those things to secure the blessings of liberty. You have to do those things. You have to do them in order. You can't promote the general welfare if there's anarchy. You can't promote the general welfare if you haven't established justice or ensured domestic tranquility. Part of promoting the general welfare is a brand new primitive constitutional republic. That was happening. And they walked away from it. So the first thing, retraining the Iraqi army, that's not going to happen unless we have men on the ground there. It's been slow, and Iran often calls the shots. Training Syrian rebels, but so far, only a handful are ready to fight, and many of them have already been kidnapped. That's the second strategy, training. I mean, this is what a fiasco the whole Obama policy towards going after ISIS is. And none of that's going to work. And finally, the airstrikes, which are killing ISIS fighters and leaders, but who are then replaced 
the problem. All right, we'll come back to that after the break here. But again, this threefold strategy will never work. But it doesn't matter to Obama and it doesn't matter to the deadheads. All right, stick around, everyone. Tim Burns, Phenomenal Exhibit Services. You know, big business is done at these conventions. And if you are already participating in your industry's convention and somehow it just isn't working right, maybe your venue has moved from one city to the next and labor is a complete hassle. You know what it takes to have smooth logistics. I encourage you to give Nominal Exhibit Services a call at 303-901-9090. One phone call does it all. They manage the entire process. So again, take the hassles out. Call Nominal. 303-901-9090. Hey, John, what's up? Hey, Dave. I'm going to get Sue something from this really cool jewelry website. What's the special occasion? There isn't one, but I was talking to Hank, and he said he went to JT Jewelry and got Jill something. And funny story, he was watching a movie and heard the line, the key to a woman's heart is an unexpected gift at an unexpected time. He goes to JT Jewelry and not only got her a pair of earrings, he got her a pendant too. He gives her the earrings and she loved them. A few minutes later, he gives her the pendant and tells her, let's go to the jewelry store and get fitted into a necklace that's just the way you want it. He got her two pieces of jewelry? Yeah, he said the prices were so good he couldn't resist, but the story gets better. They went to a company outing and the boss's wife saw the pendant and just loved it. Jill was the hit of the party. That must have made him feel good. Good, Hank said the night might have been even better than his wedding night. (laughs) What's that website again? JT-Jewelry.com All right, let's get right back to this tape. Uh, this is a guest they have talking about the whether the strategies worked or not, or if the strategy even has merit. With airstrikes, is it gives you a sense that you've done more than you've done. It's very hard to have desired political effects from the air, as we saw in U.S. operations in Libya. And so, NBC... That was a really good point he made. And obviously, this is what liberals do. It's all about impressions. It's all about creating a picture that it's a solution, that it's working, when in fact it's not. And from the Obama administration point of view, it doesn't really matter to them now. They just want to survive at this point. Obama just wants to get on his merry way, be a part of the whole celebrity scene. Maybe he can hang out with Kanye. ABC News has learned the U.S. military, led by special operations, is now in the midst of a major policy review. So we're a year into it, and it's time to reevaluate. Why? They're in the midst of a major policy review. Why? Because it's not working. This is the only report of this. Was Richard Engel. Congratulations, Richard. And congratulations, Chuck Todd, and Meet the Press, for actually letting him play this tape. To come up with a new global strategy to deal with what is now global ISIS. For Meet the Press, Richard Engel, NBC News, Southern Turkey. To discuss the administration's ISIS strategy, I'm joined by Ambassador Brett McGurk. He's Deputy Presidential Envoy for the Global Coalition to Counter ISIS, a personal advisor to President Obama, and of course, a former advisor to President Bush. Welcome back to A former advisor of President Bush. This guy is a bureaucrat. This guy's in there, and I can promise you, I'm not going to play. I had it slated to play some of his tape, but it's 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 a bunch of complex comp, speak. It's complicated speak. It's going around in a circle. It's gobbledygook. 
talking about the fact that, well, we've had, uh, we look what we did in Afghanistan, and that was just a tribal scenario and uh, should have been a real easy landscape to immediately have an impact. And look at how many years it took. Well, look at all the U.S. deaths that weren't happening. Yes, it is a different landscape than Iraq. Here's another thing about Iraq and having that U.S. military base. You know, all the recorded world history that goes back, if you want to look at the Sumerian and the tablets that were found, and that opened up uh, the archaeological scientific community to say, wow, this is the oldest ancient culture recorded history there is. And we found it such and such place, which is in Iraq right now. I can promise you, that if we had slowly but surely had this develop to have a real working relationship with the Iraqi government, this brand new Iraqi constitutional, primitive constitutional republic, then slowly but surely, I can promise you, where they found Sumerian tablets and where they, find, where they know ancient cultures, Ur and, and all those... Uh, ancient civilizations that lie just underneath the surface, I can promise you, if we had the ability, those archaeologists had the ability to dig even deeper underneath that, they will find, they would find, that there are ancient cultures that go a lot further back than five, 6,000. They go back 10,000 years, tens of thousands of years, maybe even 100,000 years, but we don't have access the archaeological historical community doesn't have, scientists don't have any access. If we had stayed the course and just let this Iraqi seed of freedom grow instead of abandoning it, would have been some fun down the road future-wise. And there just can you just see the Iraqi scientific archaeological community and the American and the rest of the world working together Showing the rest of the Middle East how it's done, how people can work together. Again, the three factions that were going on in that, it's tough. It's a tough slog. But they were making progress. I think somebody from a Shiite majority point of view would have stepped up at some point and said, it's time to unite all of the factions before we tear ourselves apart, which has happened now. I gave you the story about the Kurds. They, they were delivering oil to the main government. They had to cut it off because they weren't getting paid. Everything is fracturing. Why? And this is what Bernie Sanders is looking at. He is looking at what's going on now, and he's blaming it on George Bush for going to Iraq in the first place. He's blaming it on, on the Iraqi, this brand-new seat of freedom that was actually working. No. See, all that gets ignored. In Bernie Sanders' world, he doesn't even see that that was going on. He doesn't see the progress on a day-by-day, week-by-week, month-by-month basis that was taking one step forward, two steps back sometimes. I mean, we're talking about taking a political attitude from 13 centuries ago with a little bit uptick in the Western world way of life and giving them the ability to move forward. And that was all abandoned by Barack Obama. Well, the Iran deal, the ISIS situation, and the Iran deal. You want to talk about the best way to go after ISIS? Look at it as 
the greatest, Muhammad Ali. What our military needs to be is to float like a butterfly. For all of you Muhammad Ali fans out there, you represent the we the people. Our military and our peace through strength approach would have been Muhammad Ali. How do you tackle ISIS right now? I framed it as cutting the head off the snake. Something that you got to go after the source. The one guy who we're not going to get to the tape here, well, we, we heard a little bit from him. He said that the ISIS were taking out individual leaders, but they're just being replaced by other leaders. We are not decimating them. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to do right now going forward. We need to cut the head of the snake off. We need to decimate. We need to send the most profound impression there is, and we need to curtail the growth. You heard Richard Engel talk about the explosive growth that's happening. That's going on neighborhood by neighborhood across northern Africa, Saudi Arabia, even Asia, as Richard Engel pointed out. you got to stop that somewhere. You want to make sure the fans out there who think ISIS is really cool and they want to join, you want to make them think about something in the future? Then you take the head of the snake out. You lambaste it to the point where everybody across the world goes and says to themselves, wow, the U.S. military does not mess around anymore. Well, that's not going to happen in the next year and a half. All right, we'll, uh, we've got a couple other sound bites coming up and uh, a couple of uh, a thought on the Iran deal, and we'll get to that tomorrow because we ran out of time today. TimBurnShow.com, and don't forget to tell someone you love about the Tim Burns Show. Have a great day. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.